Get more Star Wars discussions every month with the Back to Tank Patreon exclusive shows. From Star Wars comics and book reviews to speculative discussions and breakdowns. All when you pledge to our Patreon page. What? Go to patreon.com slash Digital for more details. As you wish. Warning from the Back to Tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Welcome, everyone, to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Clone Wars edition. I am Michael, your host, and in the studio with me is David. Mike, I don't know if my soul can take any more of this. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing episode. This was an amazing episode. We're going to be discussing and breaking down episode 11 of the final season of Clone Wars titled Shattered, directed by Saul Reese and written by, of course, Dave Filoni. And this episode, Dave, just continues the amazingness of Clone Wars that we have gotten. I mean, all the episodes since episode one have been pretty fucking great, but... These last three episodes? The last three episodes, they, they rival they rival any of the Star Wars movies. I don't care which one you want to throw at it. You can probably compare them side by side. Here's the thing. The last three episodes, especially with this one has made me look at Revenge of the Sith dif- differently. Mm-hmm. Differently than when I first started. Everyone knows when we first started, I put the prequels at the bottom of the barrel. Bottom of my list of Star Wars movies. This made me look back at Revenge of the Sith and actually realize the epic storytelling that George Lucas was trying to give us. Like Shakespearean tragedy. And... Just this past episode, dude, was shattered. Oh, man, it hits you in the feels hard, hard. Like, Filoni knows the beats. He understood George Lucas's he ideas. It. He gets it. There's no doubt about it, Dave. And you know he's doing, like, a victory lap after every episode. He's just running in his own <laughs> office, watching it by himself, because he needs to, like, he needs to do his little, like, keep. he's doing peacocking. You know, peacock. He's, he's just peacocking. he's just walking with his chest out, like what now, motherfuckers? And then, and then he's, he's, he's circling around the office, and Justin Ridge is just tied to a chair, and he's smacking him in the back. He's of the like, head. what now, motherfucker? What the fuck now, motherfucker? Dude, I'm telling you, this is uh, like Dave Filoni's playing this. He's all like, "All right, JJ. All right, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Are you guys done? You guys done? All right, because I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go." <laughs> I'm gonna go. go. I'm like, you guys done, right? We got the sequel trilogy. You're done. This is what you got. All right, my uh, turn. My turn. My turn. Here I go. Here I go. <laughs> and he just starts breaking. He's he just starts like, breaking everywhere. He's doing break dancing while he's writing the episode. He's all, all right. You guys had your chance. Here I come now. <laughs> he's just doing some he's head just, spins. He's just rocking it, dude. Dude, this is exactly when I 
At the end of the episode, I just heard like breakdancing song <laughs> music. I heard breakdancing music because like every motherfucker got served. The Rogue One director got, got served. served. Solo, a Star Wars story. Ron Howard got, got served. J.J. Abrams got served. No, no, especially Ryan Johnson yeah. got served. Especially those two. And they I hate got served, David. There is. Can we actually say? Hold on, hold on. Filoni's still spinning on his head. Oh. <laughs> and he's just flipping his cowboy hat everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, hold on. He's about to whip his dick out and spin it around. <laughs> That's his writing group. That's his writing group. <laughs> Ryan Johnson got knocked the fuck out! <laughs> and Ryan, and especially Ryan Johnson, who basically, Filoni has, whether he meant it or not, has taken his concepts and spat yeah, I don't, all over Ryan Johnson's concepts. I don't think Filoni's that type of person. I don't think he's thinking, I'm going to show you how to fucking do it. He he's just too kind. He's like, I, 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 he is. He but also don't think for a second he doesn't have a bit of a an ego. We all have egos. He's a creator. He wants people to like his shit. And you know, Dave, you know a part of him, he's a Star Wars fan like the rest of us. You know a part of him is slightly disappointed in the sequel trilogy. He just doesn't, he can't say it. No, because he's a company man as well, and he supports Lucasfilm. And I'm not saying he dislikes it, but Clone Wars is an example of what Star Wars is. And, is. and let's say Star Wars can be many different things. Let's say that's what you say. I agree with that. Star Wars can be many different things. But there's a consistency, there's a tone that Clone Wars maintains. They don't break continuity. They don't forget the past or forget the future chronologically. They include everything. Yeah. You had connections to Solo, a Star Wars story in the last episode. You have the consistency of Rogue One by way of a phrase. When Ahsoka is looking at Rex and says the force, I'm one with the the force force and the the force force is with me. Even subtly. He's connecting things, creating a consistency. And that's why I said during our regular broadcast that has not been released yet. People will hear it. You know, J.J. Abrams did what he could with the rise of Skywalker, right? And his goal was to connect and be a true sequel to every single Skywalker film, right? Yes. Well, Filoni, in roughly 90 minutes, in three episodes, has essentially created a sequel to every, a sequel or prequel, however you want to look at it, to every single iteration of Star Wars. Yeah. Either very obvious and overt or subtle. Because that's the detail that Filoni works with. That's how he works. That's his work ethic. And I don't... Think we're making jokes about him breakdancing, saying, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. But I don't think he looks at it like that. I think he looks at it with a sense of pride and ownership and heart and heart and a love for Star Wars. And he says, Listen, if I'm gonna do this, 
I'm going to include all those beautiful other elements that, that make up the Star Wars world so that my show feels consistent with the world of Star Wars. Whereas we have three sequel movies that for the most part feel kind of jarring, whether you're a fan of Force Awakens and the Rise of Skywalker or a fan of The Last Jedi and you don't like the others, it, that's not the point. The point is, is that there is an argument there to say, there is an argument to be made that those three movies just feel separate and yes, disjointed. They feel disjointed. And they don't, they, they don't feel like, they don't feel like they're paying any respect to what came before. What came before. To, and like this one, you know, the, the tagline for, Rise of Skywalker was this was the final chapter and of the epic story of George Lucas's saga, right? Yeah. When you think about it, I I have a lot of respect for JJ Abrams and the fact that he is a competent filmmaker. Yeah, I'm not I'm not hating. No. I'm not hating I'm on not the movies. Hating on him, but when you compare, he wasn't able to capture the charm of like a George Lucas Star Wars film. Yet Filoni in an animation under 90 minutes was able to give us these epic moments and make it feel like this is Star Wars. It's a love letter to George Lucas. He's capturing the heart of Star Wars and all in all of its glory and all of the different facets and iterations of Star Wars. He's managing to capture it. He's not just capturing a certain feel of an era. He is doing what JJ probably should have done in Rise of Skywalker. That's what Filoni is doing. And I know there are people you had mentioned that some people aggravated you last week because they were saying that we're nothing but Dave Filoni fanboys. Yeah, that's not true. And I'll tell you why. Number one, I'm not a fanboy of anything because I'm a fanboy of writing. That's what I'm a fanboy of. Do I enjoy things? Am I a fan of things? Yes. But the moment you cross the line into shitty writing, I don't care who the fuck you are. I don't care if you're Filoni. I don't care if you're Quentin Tarantino. I don't care if you're Lars von Trier and you just won an Oscar. If you cross from a great movie to a shitty movie and your writing's poor, I'm going to call it out. I don't care call if I like you. Is. In fact, with Tarantino's last movie, I'm not a huge fan of his last entry. It's not a horrible movie, but I think I've seen better work You've from seen him. Better writing from I've him. seen better writing. I'm not a fanboy because I will call you out. I'm a fan of good writing. And Dave Filoni is a good writer. You can't argue that. It's not debatable. Filoni understands the world of Star Wars, and he's a good writer. We're not being fanboys. We're being objective. We disliked the third season of Rebels. No, I take that back. We liked it, but we had our issues with the third season of Rebels. Yes. Maloney was in charge of Rebels. So we are willing to call someone out, but Maloney doesn't have those issues. The guy is a talented motherfucker. Yeah. When you give him the reins and tell him, hey, when, when you tell him it's his turn to go. Yeah, it's his turn to go. Make it count. His dick is hitting him in the face because he's spinning on his head. Yeah, that's how big his dick is. All right, so Ahsoka walking in. As Mace Windu says, 
that classic line from from Revenge of the Sith. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Dude, I got instant chills when I saw that. I was like, oh, cool. We're going to see this scene. But then right when the line ended, Ahsoka walks in and it it immediately throws me back to Revenge of the Sith. And it just makes me get excited because I'm like, oh, shit. So in the movie, right when they cut, Ahsoka walks in. And Ahsoka walked in. It just gives you a whole other perspective of a movie. And it's just, it's so much fun. It's what we needed to close out the Clone Wars in the right way. Yes. With a series that essentially is a sequel to Attack of the Clones and a prequel to Revenge of the Sith. It's the perfect sequel prequel in almost every single way. It's not rewriting. It's not trying to change anything. It's simply assisting. It's running parallel. And that's what Dave Filoni said in a recent interview. He says, my job isn't to fix anything. I, 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 I don't, I don't, there's no problem with these movies. He's on my job is to tell the story in between the other perspective. Exactly. That's the key showing the other perspective. And that's why at the beginning of this, I said, this is, changed the way I have looked at the prequels and that's how powerful that writing is, is showing that basically, Hey, the stuff that we were always questioning in revenge of the Sith, this was also going on behind the scenes. And because of these last three episodes, it adds to the emotion and puts the story that gets overlooked in revenge of the Sith, the tragedy Mm -hmm. of, Anakin Skywalker. Right. And it puts it in perspective of the tragedy of the Jedi's falling and the tragedy of the clones, the actual troopers. When Rex turns his guns on Ahsoka, I kid you not, I got so many texts from friends that basically said, my heart is breaking seeing this. And I'm like going, yeah, it hurts because you're seeing, you're seeing the downfall of the clones. The clones are being, you know, we always, as Star Wars fans, talked about the manipulation of Order 66. And, but we've never gotten that, you know, emotional impact, what it really does to the clones. Well, because it really wasn't the focus of the sequel. So we never really thought about that. In fact, about that. before Clone Wars, we had questions about the clones. I'm like, are they trustworthy? Exactly. Like, are they aware of all of this beforehand? And we find out that they're an innocent. They're, they're, innocent. An, they're just yet another cog in the wheel being completely controlled. And that's an element that I really can appreciate when you look at the entire run of Clone Wars and how it comes to a head in this episode. Uh, through the eyes of Rex. I mean, you have this guy who is so passionate in a certain set of beliefs, but his loyalty uh, is what made him his loyalty and his love for his friendship with Ahsoka is what made him resistant uh, essentially to the order six, six. And yes, it's sad to see that ultimately he fell victim victim to to it. But the fact that before it took control of him, he was able to kind of resist to resist for that for the briefest of moments. And it was the moment it was the only moment that Ahsoka needed to figure out what was going on. And now suddenly the 
series arc, or I should say the opening arc with the Bad Batch makes that much more sense as to why we had that storyline. And even before that into season six, you know, with fives being captured, suddenly this is the way we're going to suddenly it makes sense when we see this is the way that Rex is going to figure out that they were embedded with this with a chip that controls them. I love it. And from a character standpoint, Rex is, is essentially the face of the clones now at this point he's the eyes he's how we experience and it wasn't always like that and the early seasons of clone wars we we saw through the eyes of many different clones but rex as the years have gone by um has become the focus he is the the sidekick or the partner of ahsoka and thankfully thankfully filoni's plan of action worked because in this episode it was more important to see through his eyes more than any other time in the run of clone wars, because this is the, this is just beautiful ingredients for character development. Yeah. And, and the thing was though, Filoni was able to still hold true to what the importance of order 66, right. To show that basically as powerful as Rex's will and his loyalty toward Ahsoka as his best friend is nothing overrides order 66 at the end you can't there's no breaking it there's no force of will that can do it ahsoka literally has to rip out that chip out of rex's head yeah to get him to stop and before all that happened and even after i'm I'm sure that retrospectively rex is gonna just question his existence there was bits hints of that already yeah when he had said many of us have strong feelings about the war but without the war we would not be here i mean talk about a conundrum of fuckery like your existence your sole existence is based on an act that you necessarily don't agree with but now to make matters worse and this is where rex really becomes important and super interesting i should say really interesting is how do you come to terms knowing that you were simply made for the purpose of a lie? Yes. And your free will doesn't matter. It will be taken from you or it has been taken from you. Yes. Rex has the opportunity to think about this. Yes. Rex broke free, but you have to remember the bond of the clones, yes. the brothers mentality, brothers in arms. There's a very strong bond there camaraderie so how is rex going to come to terms that his entire brotherhood is being controlled and there's really nothing he can do about it see that's what dawned on me after rex got out of it because when when he told ahsoka it's everywhere it's everywhere you i mean the animation first off is fucking legit you can see every ripple of emotion in rex's face at the end because Holy he, reali- shit. he realizes that all his brothers are now under basically uh, control, the, the control under the control of a lie of a lie of, of a person that cannot be stopped at this point. And that's the darker element is the fact that Darth Sidious's plan is pretty much not going to stop. No, no one's going to change it. 
you know, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of like fans were like saying, oh, Ahsoka's going to, we're going to shine a nice, bright, shiny light. Oh, this is going to end dark as fuck. This is going to end dark as fuck because guess what? At the end of the day, just like what this is a tragedy. This is a tragedy. Just like what Rex felt the very end, he, Darth Sidious wins. Yeah. There's no beating him at this point. And, you know, Filoni respects what came before. And when Revenge of the Sith was about to drop, I still remember an interview with Lucas. He said, this isn't going to be happy. He says, I believe in happy endings. He always has. He says, but this is different. This is not going to be happy. We're not going to leave the theater with a smile on our face. Why would Filoni then take the sequel prequel series and end it any differently? Wouldn't you think Filoni would try to maintain the tone yeah. of Revenge of the Sith? This is not going to end happy. No, especially since if you've been paying attention the last three episodes, Filoni has been matching Revenge of the Sith beat for beat, beat for beat. And we get to the point where Anakin falls, where he kills Mace Windu. And that epic scene of Ahsoka feeling it through the force that something is bad is happening. And you hear the original dialogue. Suddenly it comes into focus. This is when Darth Vader, when Anakin falls and becomes Darth Vader. The next following thing, the two major, major moments are both tragic. The fall of the Jedi's where they get just eliminated. They get massacred. And then the fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin and the full birth of Darth Vader, both are very tragic. So to think that basically, oh, we're going to get a happy ending with Ahsoka. I honestly think either character, I think the only bright spot is I wonder if they're going to explain how Rex gets Gregor and Wolf. I'm sure they will. I mean, that's and I a, think that's going to be the bright, one of the bright spots. Of that that the may be the bit of happy ending we get. We might as well, we might, also see Ahsoka kind of assume the role of Fulcrum in some way. We'll see. But I, I have my I, theory on Ahsoka's story and not a lot. Of, I, I, hold on. Telling, we'll get there in a second. Yeah. Hold on, Dave. I don't think it's going to be happy for no. Ahsoka and I don't, I don't think it should. And, I, and I'll no. tell you why, because Ahsoka made her first mistake. And we had talked about that in the previous discussion that she is the embodiment of the perfect Jedi. That was kind of the message that Filoni was, was trying to convey in the early episodes of season seven with the young ladies that she had helped that they had said they, that she is what the Jedi should be. Yeah. And yes, Ahsoka is the perfect specimen of a Jedi, but just like everyone else, And this is consistent in tone, so I'm not against it, or I should say in thematics. She has fallen victim to emotion, something that Jedi shouldn't allow to control them. They shouldn't allow emotion to control them. But there was a moment, and this is what I'm talking about in terms of character development. These are the building blocks of fantastic characters because you have the moment where Yoda, before he pieces out, <laughs> Thank you. talks to Ahsoka and says, 
would you like to speak to Anakin? This is now the third opportunity. Yes. This is now the third opportunity she's been given to talk to Anakin, and she has passed on it. The weight that now weighs on Ahsoka, she's going to have to wear that the rest of her life, knowing that she might have had a chance to convince Anakin to go about things differently. Yep. These are the building blocks of iconic, lasting characters. Right here, what we're witnessing yeah. is the birth of a whole new arc for Ahsoka. We're going to now understand how she ends up being Fulcrum. Why is she hiding in the shadows under a code name? Why does she not want to get involved with the rebel war after she confronts Vader. I think many of those questions, I don't think they're going to be answered so directly, but I feel like there's going to be assumptions. There's going to yeah. be within the subtext. We're going to suddenly understand Ahsoka's decisions post the prequels yeah. in a way that we've never understood before. Well, not only that, I, I mentioned that in the past episode that we, by far this storyline has to lead to her final confrontation with Anakin, with her on that, on that Sith world when he faces her as Balakor and rebels and rebels, it all leads to that. And it leads to Ahsoka look, uh, looking at Anakin saying, I am not leaving you again. And then Anakin saying that, well, then you're going to die here. And it's the ultimate tragedy of Ahsoka's story. And this is where it starts because I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm, I'm glad that basically at least I feel I'm not like looking too much into it, but three times she had the opportunity to talk to Anakin. Now, Dave, okay. Perhaps this is why she chose to not get involved in the events of new hope. Let's just say, okay. Because she knows that she made an emotional decision. Now that she knows Darth Vader in rogue, I'm I'm skipping ahead to rebels. When she finds out that Darth Vader is Anakin. The Anakin survived and he is in fact the apprentice of Sidious. I'm sure all these emotions just come soaring back, you know, come come flying back at her. Yeah. But knowing that she reacted and made a decision, even to not make a decision is making a decision. Is making she a decision. chose not to speak to Anakin. Mhm. Now in Rebels, she chooses not to act again. Not, I don't think, for the same reason. She chooses to remove herself from the equation. When Ezra tells her, come on, let's go, she says, no, I need to remove myself, essentially. Yes. A, yes, there's a philosophical aspect in terms of when it comes to the fact that she probably should have died. Knowing that she was supposed to have died there, probably. Mm-hmm. She had to remove herself from essentially the timeline. She didn't want to interfere with how events unfold because she should have died. Yes. Okay. But also this, these moments here, this episode could be the very reason why she chooses to remove herself because she acted before by not acting. So let me remove myself from the equation. I don't want to be involved with anything. Pertaining to Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, because I cannot be responsible for what happens because 
yes, it isn't her fault, right? We understand yeah. the manipulation of the entire unit, the entire galaxy, but it's not hard to see how Ahsoka can view it as her fault. Yes. And here's the thing, especially when she hears Anakin screaming, saying, what have I done? And yes, oh God, and yeah, yes, yeah, she doesn't. Was... And yes, she doesn't fully understand what she hears and what she sees. But. Don't tell me Darth Maul's statement, his truths didn't ring in her head. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Maul was right. Yes, she doesn't know definitively, but don't tell me she's not thinking. Oh, yeah. And it, it goes in parallel with also Obi. If you think about what Obi-Wan said to Darth Maul on Twin Sons, look what I've risen above. The whole point about trauma is you have to move past the trauma. You cannot dwell on the past. Much like what we've been talking about since two episodes ago, what is the what is the tra- tragedy of Anakin? He can't let go of the freaking past. Yeah, He can't let go and say, I'm going to move on. Ahsoka's, uh, Ahsoka was my Padawan. I'm happy about those moments, but she's a woman now. She's a different person. Oh, yeah. She's a different person. She's not freaking my Padawan who's going to follow me on my coattails. <laughs> she's a woman now. She's a woman now. <laughs> I'm, sp- I'm spinning on my head. But, like, when you take it into that context and then basically see what happened here, I, I was telling my friend, we're not Ahsoka is not going to have a happy ending. She's not. No. There's no way. Especially after the decision she made. She made she made a poor decision. She, she did it. She decision. did it in her fear. She didn't do the one thing that everyone under the sun was telling her. Go talk to Anakin. I think she was also. I think she also knew that she should talk to him because she's not mad at him. But I feel yeah. like she is unsure of herself and she is not sure she wants to be involved in the Jedi. And just like when, you know, something is kind of short term, Mm -hmm. something you used to care about and you're brought back for whatever reason, you tend to try to keep distance between you and whatever you love because you know, it's only short term. And I don't think she's trying to be mean to Anakin. I think she's trying to protect herself emotionally, knowing that, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to be a Jedi again. Like, this is not my, my path isn't the same as the Jedi Council and as Anakin. So why put myself emotionally out there again? Out there again. And the, 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 the and this is not to sound like Ahsoka's a bad person. Let's not get this mixed she up. She just with the made fans. A, She made an imperfect decision. She made an imperfect decision. Just like Obi-Wan. Just like Padme. Exactly. Just like Anakin. Just like Mace Windu. Just like Yoda. <laughs> Yoda. Just like everybody. Yeah. It doesn't make her a bad person or anything and it doesn't but that's the whole point about the tragedy is like everyone is so broken and as this episode is called shattered everyone's so shattered at this point by the time of the war you don't know whose side is everything and it's the perfect opportunity for for palpatine to spring his trap it this was the thing i noticed about this these past three episodes it really put forth the notion that this was the perfect moment. This is what Palpatine was waiting for. Mm-hmm. Everyone against each other. Everyone not watching out. Everyone's more or less more or less interested in their own agendas. 
their own survival, their own survival. Okay. Let's, let's attack now launch, launch his entire thing, entire plan. And it worked to perfection. Yeah. All right. So switching gears just a bit from a fan perspective, no longer looking at story. I have to say, Seeing the events of Revenge of the Sith unfold, executive, or I should say, execute order 66, <laughs> to see that, that unfold awesome. from another perspective, to see what was going on and how they are trying to, you know, tie this into Ahsoka's personal story. Man, I had chills. I even, I'm going to admit it, I teared up when Rex turns his guns on her. And then they play the John Williams soundtrack, yes. the exact score from Revenge of the Sith when the Jedi were being killed, killed by the clone troopers. Yet again, Dave Filoni adding that consistency by simply having a similar soundtrack, blending it with Kenner's original score and just pumping up the feels. Just absolutely amazing. And there were speaking of score, just for a second, Kevin Kenner is outdoing himself these last couple episodes. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. He is, he is bringing a brand new game to the whole show because like, I think this might be now I'm a big Kevin Kenner fan. I like yeah. his compositions, but, or his scores, but I think these last two episodes are some of his best work. Because he's taking what was set before him with arguably one of the greatest composers of any generation in John Williams and taking it another notch, bringing it to the forefront, bringing, making it his own. You know, as George Lucas has always said, what do you got that's going to be bringing different to the table? And he brought a new feeling to the whole soundtrack of the series by using some of John Williams' own old compositions like those scene that you were telling uh talking about where even when they were shooting at ahsoka and suddenly you hear that john williams music in the background when you think that ahsoka is gonna get shot but all of a sudden it stops and then they you hear rex tell the other coast cease fire and they look around in the smoke and all of a sudden ahsoka is not there yeah Oh it, my it was god such dude. a good sequence it was a fantastic sequence because i was on the edge of my seat going no, they can't. They can't really kill it. They, Ahsoka cannot. I know she can't die, but you get this sense of tension that meanwhile, everybody, all the other Jedis during this exact same moment are all dying. That should show you that should show you how powerful she is. The fact that she's able to resist them and fight them all with her <laughs> lightsaber. I mean, dude, how many blasters was she fucking blocking? Oh, my God. It was. She was like, and, and the thing was. I can I can believe it because this whole time we know that Ahsoka is very adept with the double lightsaber. Listen, she's Anakin's she's Anakin's Padawan. apprentice, a Padawan, and essentially she's kind of Obi Wan's apprentice as well. Yeah. So I mean, she's trained by the best, and and like she's just like deflecting blasters like crazy but it's like almost you feel like oh my god at the same time everyone else is dying and ahsoka it, has to get out of here and let me bring this to a negative point just for a second ahsoka can block numerous blaster fires from clone troopers but the blood of palpatine 
and the blood of Skywalker. <laughs> Mike, no, 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 Mike. Mike, I thought we said. They no struggle no to negativity. kill Snoke's guards. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The mighty Skywalker blood flows through the veins of Ben Solo. The mighty Palpatine blood flows through the veins of Rey Skywalker. But they can't defeat Snoke's guards without struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, t- yeah, I took us yeah. there. Yeah, you did, and I hate to say, I I hate to agree, but yes, that is a very big negative. All right, let's talk about Darth Maul, the baddest motherfucker alive. Oh my god, dude, that's that scene outdid Rogue One. <laughs> now, not only is this great for Maul's story in pretty much every way, but it also adds in a in a supporting type capacity. For Ahsoka, because Maul was one hundred percent right. Yes. Imagine how Ahsoka feels knowing that Maul was right. Oh, you could tell that she was pissed. You could tell. So that's how you use a character. Because arguably, these last few episodes, the last what uh, seven episodes have been the lead has been Ahsoka. Absolutely, yes. she's the lead. So Maul here is the supporting. Mm-hmm. So not only are we getting more Maul, but Filoni in his prowess as a writer is also putting him into the supporting category and using him as such. Mm-hmm. Using him to help tell Ahsoka's story. Using him to help push her story forward. But also moving his story forward. Yes. Seeing Maul come to the realization that he was right as well that there might have been a little bit of doubt there in his vision but then seeing how it's all happening it gives him a little bit of gratification knowing that he was right and then the action sequences that follow dave (laughs) i they have to be some of the best star wars action we've seen Am I saying that just out of sheer Star Wars glee right now and excitement because it's fresh and new? Or is it some of the best Star Wars action we've seen? No, it is. It is. By far, the mall scene, you know, he's just walking, holding up. Well, what was he holding? He was holding up a blast door. Holding (laughs) Maloney? I was going to call Maul (laughs) Maloney. He's half Maloney, half Maul. That's the best type of person. (laughs) To see Maul hold up a blast door with the force and walk casually down the corridor, blocking blaster fire. Throwing people out of his way, decapitating, decapitating people. people, cutting people in half, taking people's arms. What the hell? Dude, this took the Rogue One scene that everyone under the sun holds up. I still love that scene. We still love it. But, but I'm sorry. That was Filoni. Remember, uh, just as you. This is Filoni, dude. This is. Uh, hold on a second. This is Filoni breaking on people. Yeah, he's just like, hold up, hold up. Uh, Gareth Edwards, did you go? Did you go? Did you go? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here I come. Here I come. <laughs> here I go. All right, I'm going to have Darth Maul walk without a lightsaber. Da, 
was the most beautiful part too. He did it without a lightsaber. Yeah. He just used force abilities and just brutalized people. And it took the scene from Rogue One and basically said, you know what? Darth Vader is very scary and very he's very brutal. But I would rather face that than Maul. Yeah. Because Maul's going to take anything around me and maybe crush me with a piece of metal. He'll decapitate me. Or even Vader will cut you in half, though. Come on. Vader will cut you in half. It'll be quick. Yeah. But like with Maul, I think I might be safe, but he'll pull my arm through the door and cut it off (laughs) with the door. Well, at least it'll be a clean cut, though. No, dude, that wasn't a clean cut. Not? That was not a clean cut. You heard the uh, plus the sound design during this whole thing was so visceral. He's okay, so JJ, you um you had Kylo Ren throw a guy against the ceiling. He's all, <laughs> That's okay. True. Uh, okay, hold on a second. Are you done? Are you done? Here, I'm gonna go. All right, I'm gonna go. 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 Here I go. Here I go. Here I go. I'm gonna I'm gonna double down. I'm gonna throw two guys in the wall. <laughs> because that's who I am. And it's like, oh my god, he is absolutely whether he, we uh, just like what we said in early in the show, we don't think Dave Filoni is doing this on purpose. Absolutely. No, we're he's just having fun this. with it. He's, having, he's not an asshole like us. He's not an asshole. Dave Filoni is a very nice person, as we've stated. But man, it's hard not to think about that when you see so many similarities. He's de- he, he definitely has a writing ego. He probably wants to do things that haven't been done before. I mean, because he's, he's from the same school of thought as Lucas. This is cool. But what are you going to bring to the table that's new? And that's essentially what these entire four episodes or three episodes have been. Let's bring something hey, new listen, to the Hey, listen, Revenge of the Sith has been done and it's cool. But I'm going to bring this to the table. I'm not just, hey, we're running parallel to Revenge of the Sith. Hey, guys, remember these elements? Yay! Fan service. He's actually making it count. Yes. And he's adding it to the development of our characters. He's adding layers. It's not about fan service. It's not about fan service. You're adding depth to the characters through their actions, not just their dialogue. It's their actions. I mean, my favorite moment, dude, that just spoke about Ahsoka's character was when she looks at Maul. Maul says, do you care to make this a bit more fitting and uh, and fair? And he's waiting for her to hand a lightsaber. And Ahsoka looks at us and says, I'm not thinking you're I'm not thinking you're going to live through this. And then just runs. She said that? I don't remember. Yeah, she said something on that line. And then, like, I'm like going, she said it with so much anger because just like what you said, at this point, she comes to the realization that Maul's right. Yeah. That has to anger you. That has to, that has to burn at her. That this person that I hate already was correct. And he's just standing there smiling, saying, you got to hand me a lightsaber, oh, Jedi Knight? <laughs> really good. It's so awesome. It's dude. good stuff, man. It's good stuff. All right. So Clone Wars creator clarifies George Lucas's involvement in season seven. Dave Filoni gives context to the rumors of Lucas's involvement in the final episodes and insight into his involvement in the show over the years. All right. So he says in an interview that largely 
He's all that idea has largely been taken out of context in people's enthusiasm. He says, George and I still talk and I'll ask him some things, but he's just really enjoying watching them. What's in play are things we had discussed years ago. The Bad Batch were a were series of stories we had written in story meetings with him. And the Trace and Rafa arc were adapted off of outlines from then. These last four episodes were probably the least developed of what we had done. So that goes back to what we had said a few weeks ago, that it's not that Lucas is directly involved now. Yeah. It's the fact that these are story aspects that were in the can. They were planned. They were planned out already. Before Disney had purchased Lucasfilm. They were planned and scheduled to be shot eventually. So that's why this has the Lucas funk on it in a good way. And that's why Sam Wentworth said that this is some of the last Lucas will ever see, because yep. these are stories that were fleshed out with Lucas's involvement. Yeah. Essentially when Lucas was actually sitting there and actually, as, as Filoni said, watching over them and saying, okay, what are you guys going to do? What do you, what do you got? That's new to the table. Yeah, what do you got next? Because my boy Filoni's going to come next. Go, 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 go. What's your name? My name's Justin Ridge. Go to the, go to, go to the bathroom. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, this does bring us to the end of the show. But before we close, give me your RMD score and final thoughts. Well, are we going to be surprised? Are we really going to be surprised? I'm, I honestly think that these, all these episodes put together are going to be a hundred. It's a hundred. This episode's a hundred. It hits every single beat that it needs to. And then some, I've been trying to think if like the last episode or the episode prior was my favorite. Then this episode came around and said, Hey, don't forget about me. And all of a sudden I'm like going, yeah, Dave Filoni is competing with himself. He's like, hey, yeah, Dave, Fil- he's all Dave Filoni from episode uh, 10. Did you go? Did you go? Okay, you go? I, here, I'm going to go now for episode 11. And meanwhile, meanwhile, Dave Filoni in episode 12 is standing there naked he's with all, his dick out. Are you done yet? Are Filoni you done yet? from episode 11. Are you done yet? Because I'm about to go. Here I go. Here I go. go. <laughs> but it hits every single beat that. I was hoping we would get, and it answers a lot of questions that have been always in Star Wars fans' minds. Where has Ahsoka been? Why did she not show up during the during Darth Vader's time? This makes sense now. Just like what you alluded to, it's the importance of these three episodes is it's adding to what's already there and acknowledging the importance of what's been put in the past. And you take that into parallel with the movies. It's amazing what he's been able to accomplish within 90 minutes. And I'm sure I'm, I am sure when episode 12 comes out down the line, we're going to hear that basically they're going to release the Blu-ray of the final four episodes all cut together. Will you buy it? I will buy that day one, even though it's available to purchase or available to stream. Oh, absolutely. You'll buy it. I will buy it. Okay. I will buy it because I will want to watch that alongside revenge of the sith well i'm to i'm gonna do whole... <laughs> i'm gonna do what i said i'm once we get the final episode i'm going to watch revenge of the sith yep and i'm gonna pause it when i need to watch <laughs> the appropriate episode of clone wars 
pause it, go back to Revenge of the Sith, and I'll keep doing that until the end. <laughs> How fun would that be? That would that would be absolutely awesome. Yeah. So hundred hundred for me. All right. Dave, are you done? Yes, I'm done. You are done. Yep, I'm done. All right, I'm going to go now. Go now. <laughs> I'm going to give it 101. <laughs> That's stupid. I'll give this 100%. And I'm glad I watched this really early in the morning this time. And I did that intentionally because I needed the entire day. I needed the full day to think about it. Yeah. I didn't want to be caught up with the emotions. Uh, yes, we are a fan show, but I also like to pride myself on the fact that we are legitimate critics as well. That's the branding I like to remote on this network as a whole. This is true. And I always tell people not to base things on what you want or what you hope had happened, but base it on the, uh, the subject matter in front of you, mm-hmm. what we actually got. Check your own wants at the door. At the door. It has to be objective. And even from an objective standpoint, I tried to get rid of all the connections and the parallels to Revenge of the Sith. I wanted to make sure there was no nostalgia there. And just on paper, it's a fantastically written episode. Mm -hmm. The act structure is Amazing. In 27 minutes, we get a complete story. We add to the the development of Ahsoka as a character of not just this show, but of the Star Wars universe. What it means for Rex. Yes. And then being able to see through his eyes. The inability for his brothers to do what he has. Break free. It's a tragedy for the clones as well. Yeah. This is amazing writing. So it is 100%. All right. So this does conclude this week's discussion on the Clone Wars episode 11. We will be back a few days early because the final episode will air on May the 4th, which I think is appropriate. We get the season finale, the series finale of Clone Wars on May 4th. What an awesome way to celebrate the end of this fantastic series. So we will be back on May 4th live, right, Dave? Yes. So get ready for some excitement. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Get more Star Wars discussions every month with the Back to Tank Patreon exclusive shows. From Star Wars comics and book reviews to speculative discussions and breakdowns. All when you pledge to our Patreon page. What? Go to patreon.com slash Digital for more details. As you wish. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs>